From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast soundcaster, Thank you, Bill Haywatt, and thank you, listener. This is your every other weekly host, Mark Hershon, and frankly, I was not sure I was going to get in here this week with our milestone 250th episode. Mainly because I had a full-on computer meltdown halfway through cutting clips for this installment, I am literally cobbling all the pieces together on another computer that doesn't have all the usual software I use to do this show. My fingers are crossed that this mother is still going to come together. If you're just finding us here at Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast, we just passed our 10-year mark in soundcasting a couple of weeks ago. And now we're clocking in at 250 shows. If you happen to have missed last week, by the way, hosted by my alternating guest host Tyson Saner, he featured clips from a trio of comedy soundcasts, including the Blood Buddies Horror Podcast, Whack Brackets, and Day Drinking with Gary and Elliot. You can still grab an earful at either Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, SoundCloud, or a did I say SoundCloud? SoundCloud or a gazillion other places that stream and or download soundcasts. The one place you can't get new installments of Suckatash is apparently the Laughable app any longer. Say what? Yes, it's apparently true. We got a tweet from at circle in CLE last week informing us that their service hasn't been updating for a while now. I checked their website and it's just gone. The laughable site is gone. I tried to reach out to Ned Kenny, the founder of the app and a friend of Succotash for years, starting when laughable first kicked off, but he seems to have vanished too. Ned, if you're out there, send us a note. Let us know you're okay. But I guess until further notice, no more laughable app. I don't know what happened. I've got a quartet of clips to play for you this week. Three new-to-us shows, The Bummer Boys, The Celebrity Memoir Book Club, and Odd Dad Out. And we've got an old friend and supporter of The Suck, the gang over at the Salty Language Podcast. Got a clip from them. I also have a pair of belated but always welcome congratulatory 10th anniversary messages that we'll be hearing from along the way. One from Chris Gore of Film Threat and the Departed Podcrash Soundcast. The other from Chris Mancini, a recent guest and host of not one, not two, but three soundcasts. And as always, these sounds of soundcasts are brought to you by... Henderson's Pants, who bring you their new bivouac briefs. Finally, later on in the show, we're going to resurrect the Tweet Sack. That, oh, hi, Tweety. <laughs> that portion of the show where we would have read from our mailbag if we had a mailbag and if anyone sent us cards and letters. Instead, we'll just mention the fine folks who mentioned us in their tweets this past week. But for now, it's on to the clips. The Bummer Boys are hosts Alex Kalanko and Mike Carroza, who are improvisational comedians that also host a show about songs that made them sad each week. But they've changed their tune for their recent Epi 53, along with guest comedian and writer Josh Gondelman. 
They've even entitled this episode Bouncy Boys instead of Bummer Boys, and in our clip, they're talking about the art of writing the consummate Jeopardy question. <laughs> the uh, 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 I know I know a couple people who have like tried to get on Jeopardy and they said like at every step of the oh, yeah. process they remind you to bring three outfits on the oh day. that's so funny yeah, yeah that yeah, like yeah. at every step they're like bring three outfits and, and like like even you're writing your first like 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 test to see if you can even like move on to the interview portion they're still like reminder if you get picked bring three outfits oh that's <laughs> fascinating yeah. yeah just to because you could be there in one day doing three episodes yeah, yeah. Wow. That's it. oh that's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like that's there's something very nice and optimistic about them saying that to everybody, which is very funny. Oh, it's also 100% they such, don't want a, yeah. such a bummer though to be <laughs> yeah, right, to right. be like, who got my three outfits picked out? Gonna yeah, yeah. gonna make a run of it. Gonna uh, They tell a story. <laughs> they call me new they call me the young Ken Jennings and then like just like after the first round of the first episode, you're you're like negative three grand. <laughs> I can never even look at these other suits again. Negative three grand means you took some swings, buddy. That's big like, swings. Yeah. <laughs> big swings on, on round on board one. One, on yeah. board oh, one, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you got, you took, every, you got every question. Like you're fast in the butter, <laughs> slow in the brain. Like you're, <laughs> yeah, quick on the draw. Uh, and, and and look, I'm not there. I'm not there to sit tight and wait for my opportunities. I play aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know shit about Renaissance art, but my thumb is quick. To sound like me playing Magic the Gathering. I dude. play like, like I play at home. There. I just answer everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have a exactly. huge alcoholic drink with you, like huge I play, alcoholic drink. Like I play, like I play at home. I'm like half asleep in pajamas, yeah. like yeah, just yeah, yeah. guessing, like anything. <laughs> right, that's I, that's my strategy. It's like this has served me well. I've never lost before. I, uh, exactly, everybody, exactly. everybody plays Jeopardy at home and is like, I would win. Yeah. Do you know? Since moving back, I had to move back home for because of all this pandemic stuff and couldn't justify being in Toronto still. Sure. And so I'm home with the family and we'll have dinner and Jeopardy will come on and I'm just answering and I'll like get a lot of them right. And every night my, my mom's like, you should do that. And I'm like, guaranteed if I if I even apply and I get through what's going to happen is every category is going to be like. Uh, Russian literature, U.S. <laughs> wars that you've never heard of, yep. and uh, surprise category is butts, but not the kind you like. Mm-mm. And that's just going to be how it is for me yep. uh, and how it must be for so many people. For you sure. You see just the disappointment in somebody's face. Oh, man. The I, power, I, the power the, I feel when I'm watching Jeopardy in a category I know inside and out comes up yeah. with friends. Oh, it feels so good. Oh, Unbelievable. Man. Unbelievable. It's like the closest... <laughs> As an adult, you get to like the joy of like going down a slide as a child, which is <laughs> like, woo, here we go. This is going to be good. 1980s comic book writers, yeah. get ready, Graham. Oh. It's going to be a rough afternoon for you on this couch. These dumbasses aren't going to know what hit them. <laughs> you it's break so out your funny. own buzzer at home, you find yeah. something to click on so you can feel like you're in it. I love that, but I when and then when there's like one that I don't know anything about, I'm like this barely counts. Yeah, Euro- <laughs> Riv- rivers of Europe, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Oh, especially if it's something like I'm watching up here. Like, oh, there's this is definitely about something that Americans probably learned a little bit more of in their school. Oh, sure, sure, so, sure. Like, and you're just like, well, this I'm like, at a deficit, just like yeah, yeah, yeah. because this what right. I, was, uh, I would yeah. stay away from that column the entire way. Like, I'm not answering <laughs> that. 
Somebody else run the board for a couple turns. (laughs) (laughs) Catch the bummer boys wherever you find your favorite soundcasts. Hey, Mark Hershon, this is Chris Gore from Film Threat, and I just want to say congratulations on 10 years of doing Succotash. 10 years, that's, that is a milestone. Um, and I also want to say I'm really late in getting you this message because I despise Facebook, and you sent me this as a Facebook message. And, sir, you have my, you have my phone number. You could have texted me. So I am late. By the time this runs, it'll probably be your 11th anniversary. So let me in advance just say congratulations on your 11th anniversary for Succotash. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible the work that you do exposing podcasts that, that need recognition through your work. And you have helped me quite a bit in the past, and I am grateful. I don't even know if this recording turned out well, but I hope you are well. Take care, Mark. From two male hosts in the last show to a pair of female hosts, we jump over to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. New York comedians Claire Parker and Ashley Hamilton don't suffer fools or celebs who pen books about their rarefied lives too much, but not so, however, it seems, when it comes to Blink-182 drummer Travis Barker and his autobiographical 2016 memoir, Can I Say? Living Large, Cheating Death, and drums, drums, drums. <laughs> the ladies seem a little gaga for this unapologetic ladies' man. And this clip touches on that a bit about his wife, or wives, or maybe wife. I'm not sure what's going on in his life, but let's listen. I think Mark and Tom wanted to be punk stars. They wanted to have a band. They were the front men. And I found this very interesting because even though I always knew Travis, Mark and Tom were the funny dick joke makers. They would do jokes between every song they were obviously the singers they were the front guys and the joke was that travis never spoke he didn't even have a mic and like once a concert they'd be like hey you guys want to hear travis talk and travis just go hi and that was it but it's just so funny then that his not just his talent but his magnetism and his natural charisma and star power still made him like the most famous one i could not remember those men's names fucking hot (laughs) he's not even my type but if you had put a gun to my head and said explain what mark and tom look like i would have literally been like mark and tom who they look like they're from weezer i mean they look like true dorks they look like teachers they look like (laughs) history's teachers at a public middle school so tom and travis start a little side project that kind of seems to blow over in between i guess this was just off the success of the first album and it's called boxcar racer and obviously travis is just happy to play drums he's just kind of like there like it's mark and tom's band and travis is in it too and has a much bigger role in creating the second and third albums but it is still Mark and Tom's band. So I think that that did create a little bit of tension. And I think that if we were reading Mark or Tom's book, this would have played a much bigger role. Yeah. And I do think that for Travis, it was always about making new, interesting music and he never wanted to be pigeonholed into one thing. And so I think it was really important to him. He talks about when they started the second album doing something completely different and he would be like, well, what about these beats? And they took beats from all different influences Mm -hmm. to build out new types of songs. And that was the Travis effect. I think if Mark and Tom had gone back in the studio without him, they couldn't kind would have come out with Animus of the State 2.0. Travis then goes on to make a whole other band with like his old buddies are just like, hey man, do you have time to be a drummer for us too? And he's like, totally. And it's like this cute band with this guy from his past. And then the lead singer is this guy, Rob, 
who was their roadie forever. And then one time they found out that he had ambitions to sing and songwrite and they gave him a shot in the studio one day and they're like, all right, Rob, you can do it. But I really think that's like Travis's MO. He's always giving people opportunities. He's always finding some kid who was just hanging out and really loved the game and opportunity to be an engineer. He was always calling up people from his past. He even tried to start a new band at one point with a woman, a female singer that he remembered Mm -hmm. from back in the day, like small town. He just like kept thinking of people and wanting to work with them and making shit. So romantically at this time, he gets a wife. (laughs) Her name is Melissa. They're married for, I think, four months. Yeah. How long do you think they knew each other overall? Like, okay, so this like is what year. I want to talk about. They have two very different memories of meeting. He's like, one day I was out and there was these th- three gorgeous platinum blondes and I started talking to them and one of them was interesting and smart and I just loved talking to her and then I called her the next day and then I called her the next day and then we were inseparable pretty quickly. And that girl was Melissa. And in the photos, Melissa does not seem platinum blonde. She almost looks like a brunette. I think she looks very brunette to me. Her memory, I had known Travis for years. We, at first, I didn't even like him, but then we became friends, and then one day it became romantic, and I was like, <laughs> did he forget about those years, or is he mixing you up with somebody else? <laughs> it does seem like it's the age-old story of she was forced to be a groupie, and then he was, like, mad that she was a groupie. He finds out when they, the day they get married and they sign their marriage license that he's 26 at this time, and he had always assumed she was 24, 25, and it turns out that she's 21. He says one of the biggest things besides feeling betrayed was he started, like, looking down on her because then he started realizing like oh you know what she does not seem to have anything else going on it does seem like she just like lives in my van and does whatever I do I mean she was very young and she hadn't established her own life in any way she just married him and made that her life I just don't think he was actually ready to settle down I do think he cheated on her the whole time he says that they didn't have sex for months that they had a three-month dry spell but they had a four-month marriage I know what does that mean it sounds they did have like a tumultuous breakup that lasted some time she cleaned him out for half a mil so I think he was pretty pissed about that I mean he was just getting more and more famous and like very publicly jumped back into the sack with a bunch of other ladies there is a review of this uh, very episode up on last week's vulture.com's this week in comedy podcast by my fellow reviewer and past succotash guest Becca James if you'd like to read more about it and now a word from our sponsor Hello, friends. Bill Haywatt here to tell you that sometimes it's not your pants, but what's in your pants that's important. And when the contents of your trousers is a pair of Henderson's Bivouac briefs, your privates couldn't be in better hands. Henderson's Pants is, of course, world-renowned for their pants and trousers, but we believe in building lower body garments from your bottom on up, which means it's high time that we get into the underwear game as well. And what better way to announce to the world that we're ready to get into your pants than with Henderson's Bivouac Briefs? These are not just some wimpy, wispy man panties. No siree, Bob. Henderson's Bivouac Briefs are woven from 100% Kevlar and are made with everything you need when getting home is not an option. Whether you're spending the night with a friend, or a week away on a business trip, Henderson's patented multi-pocket technology gives you more than a dozen places to stow your junk in your trunks. A toothbrush, a razor, dental floss, a shoehorn, a fountain pen, a couple of plums, a ripe banana, the only limit to the things you can carry in your Henderson's bivouac briefs is your imagination and any applicable local law. Originally designed for MacGyver, inspector 
Inspector Gadget and the Professor from Gilligan's Island, Henderson's Bivouac Briefs are just the ticket when you want to play hide the salami and really mean it. That's Henderson's, makers of manly unmentionables since 2013, and now back to Suckatash. Next up is a solo-hosted soundcast, Odd Dad Out, with stay-at-home dad Adam Higgins doing his thing, talking about wrangling his kids, stoking the fires of his marriage, and lots of pretty much whatever else jumps into his head. To be fair, I think Adam staked out his home dad status before the COVID lockdown, when almost every other dad also became a stay-home version. In our clip, which hails from his recent Epi 201, he castigates that gender reveal party run amuck in the state of Maine just a few weeks ago that resulted in an actual earthquake. Police in Kingston, New Hampshire, received reports of a loud explosion and responded to the uh, nearby quarry where they found people acknowledging that they had had a gender reveal party with explosives. The source of the blast was 80 pounds of tannerite, which I'm assuming is a, is explosive. I don't know my explosive chemicals. I'm sorry. Uh, the family thought the quarry would be the safest spot to light the explosives, which typically sold over the counter as a target for firearms practice. Okay, so I'm assuming these are like explosive targets, like, oh, you shoot them and they go boom, and they got a bunch of them together to go really big boom, I'm assuming. Nearby residents said the blast rocked their homes and some reported property damage. Holy fuck. (laughs) It knocked pictures off our walls. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) Okay, no injuries reported, but are you fucking serious? (laughs) 80 pounds of apparently explosive firearms targets 80 pounds of explosive target material in a quarry <laughs> uh, can, can we just stop can we stop with the gender reveal bullshit because you know you want to have a gender reveal wait for the kid to be born <laughs> the gender wait, hold on <clears throat> In my day, your gender was revealed when the doctor saw the penis. Well, yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? Okay. You don't... Why do you have to have a gender reveal party? I've never understood this. If you're going to tell people, tell them. It's like, oh, do you know what you're having? Yeah, we're having it. Why do you have to have a big fucking party? You're wasting... I'm going to look at this from a practical manner of why gender reveal parties are stupid. Never mind 80 pounds of explosives and and bullshit starting wildfires in California and causing earthquakes and all this bullshit. Gender reveal parties are stupid from a practical manner just in the fact that you're about to have a kid. Kids are fucking expensive. New kid shit is expensive. Cribs and clothes and diapers and clothes and diapers and diapers and diapers that's just expensive and you're gonna go fucking wasting all your money on fucking crazy blue oozing cakes or pink powder balloons or 80 pounds of fucking explosives it's stupid 
You got enough bullshit. I don't care who you are and how much money you have. There's no amount of of gender reveal that is financially worth it when you have the expenses of a new child. The entire episode that clip is from, available from wherever fine comedy soundcasts hang out, is an interesting listen as Adam takes us through the gradual re-immersion of his kids in the back-on-campus school experience, which has been happening for him in stages because of the different ages of his kids as COVID relax its icy grip on society. Hi, this is Chris Mancini from What Are You Watching and The Quiet Journeys of Professor Atwood, and I want to wish Mark Hershon and Succotash a happy 10th birthday. Very exciting. Soon your podcast will be old enough to drive. Keep up the good work, and thanks for being such a great advocate of comedy and podcasting. Congrats, Mark. Tony and Brian, hosts of the Salty Language podcast, have been bros and buds since the 1980s, and their shows ramble around through pop culture dating from then till now, what their lives are like, and all kinds of goofy stuff that tickles their brains. In a recent episode entitled Boot Knife, they meander through a lot of topics, so I shaved off a few minutes where they talk about what disease Salma Hayek struggles to overcome. The recent, the weird retinue of Alan Quartermain movies and other associated twaddle. What disease does Salma Hayek have? Top people also ask. What? Wow. All right. Oh, oh, okay. Dyslexia. Oh, okay. That's. I was expecting something horrific. They can't make her job easy. They can't make her job easy. Yeah. But I mean, all right. That's not what, when someone says disease, you never think that way, though. You always think more like something more physical. Well, that's, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I don't know, some flesh, flesh eating bacteria or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was expecting something else. Or she turns into a monster and eats men, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to stop. Yeah. That's probably for the best. All right. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. Good I'm curious. I can see a lot of people seeing the trailer for this and going, well, it looks like a cool kung fu movie, so I'll go see it, if nothing else. I'm always down for a cool kung fu movie. Yeah. I'll watch old ones on Netflix all the time. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, even if it's just that, I ain't mad at it. It was, you know, like watching some of the fight scenes in, like, Daredevil and uh, uh, Iron Fist. Not the ones with Iron Fist as much, but, <laughs> you yeah, know. for sure. Right? Yeah, but, you know, just watching those, there's some really cool stuff done. And, boy, I the mean, thing is, though, those shows kind of elevated, especially Daredevil, like with the hallway fights and stuff. But that's totally, that hallway fight scene was totally ripped off. Oh, from, it was, uh, yeah. Um, Shit, what's that Korean movie? Sesame Street? Yes. <laughs> Muppets take yeah, Manhattan. Grover fucks up everybody on Sesame Street. Yeah, Dude, would... that would be an awesome thing to do. Redo the whole thing with Grover. <laughs> I, I can't think I of the movie. Name of that movie. Yeah. I know. I don't know. They remade it, too. Yeah, they it did. It was not good. I don't think oh. it was Yeah. Hold on. All right, fair enough. Yeah, but you're right. They they did rip that, but it was still the idea that that's, I think, people are going to expect that level of fight scene. So I'm curious to see how or what they do that's going to be, you know, maybe fun and different in this one. Right. Old boy. Old boy. There you go. That's it. Great movie. Yeah. I haven't um, seen the remake. Yeah, don't. 
Okay. Just so watch you, the original Korean one. So you're fine with me watching Alan Quartermain? Absolutely. But you draw the line at watching the new version no, of Old Boy. Because right? because Old Boy was so good. Yeah. And then they re because I, I watched a remake and yeah. it was not good. <laughs> so what? So when I tell you the Indiana Jones was better. <laughs> Well, sometimes, Brian, I want to experience the pain for myself. That's fair. They yeah. do have, in the Alan Quartermain movies, there's actually one that has, I believe, uh, let me see if. if Old this boy, is it? Yes. No. Daredevil? No. Uh, what's happening? What, no, what's, what's uh, happening? No, I was looking for other, um, the other movies in the storyline. Dang it. Where'd it go? Alan Quartermain and... The Temple of Skulls. The pants that didn't fit. No, the Temple of Skulls. It just feels like... Temple you know, of Doom? Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, you're totally not... Oh, and and um, like Alan Quartermain's been recruited to lead an expedition in search of a fabled treasure deep within Africa. He must avoid hidden dangers. It's rated 2.5 out of 10. Oof. Wow, I didn't realize this. A bunch of different people have played Alan Quartermain, apparently. I'm next. <laughs> yeah, all right. Good luck with that. Those salty language guys have been supporters and retweeters of Succotash for many years, and we got to clip them up every once in a while just to say howdy. All right. Hello, Tweety. It's that time again. Here's the rundown of folks and bots kind enough to tweet, retweet, mention, or follow at Succotash Show on Twitter, and I guess also on Instagram. I'm not going to say at before each of these handles, so just imagine seeing the at symbol in front of them. Guitar Suncat, Jock Doc Podcast, CIL Podcast, Gilly Gal, Whack Brackets, Eric Alder, Gary A. Williams, Misfit Scully, I Shake My Head, Ida Heno, Trashy Podcast, The Center Cut, MP Weirdo Podcast, Blurry Gal, and Pod Nation Pods. So thank you folks for mentioning us in your in your socials. And uh, if you do that and we happen to track it down, uh, we'll mention it next time we do the Tweet Sack. That then is going to do it for this rather inauspicious run-of-the-mill Epi 250 of Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. Happy to have you with us, just doing you while we do us. Remember to follow us on the socials, at, uh, at Suckatash Show, and you can reach out to us there with your suggestions for comedy soundcasts that my co-host Tyson and I should maybe go grab a listen to. Speaking of Tyson Saner, he'll be here in the feed next week with episode 251 sporting another astounding array of comedy soundcast clips. Until that time, please be mindful that there's still a pandemic going on, so socially distance, wear a mask when you should, wash your hands, and if anyone asks if you're listening to anything good these days, please remember to pass the succotash. Ta! You've been listening to Suckatash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, and tattooed on your mother's rear end. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. 
Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash. Goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.